0: This is the GDC Life Podcast. There's a number of people that weren't here last week. So I'm going to show for those that weren't here last week but are here this week. Um, because I just want us to be a part of the journey of where God is, has taken us from and moving us into. Um, and you know, even, even this building, it's I feel like We've already seen the hand of God. Last week I shared how many times the, the miracles of God, prophecies, um, just the way God has provided financially to bring us into this place that we raised over 550000 in a three-month period to, to raise a deposit of $1.2 million to put down for this building. So but please understand, this is how it feels to me. I, I knew all along when, when I went away on our holiday a number of years ago seeking God for this building, the Lord showed me, Leo, it's like Moses in the Red Sea. And he had to take the children of Israel out of Egypt and there was about a million or two million you know, children of Israel. There's a lot of people that he was taking into the promised land, but they had to cross the Red Sea. And then it looked like they were trapped at one point. The, the, army of, uh, Egypt, the Egyptian army was coming and the God led them in between two cliffs. It looked like it was a dead end. God says, I'm going to bring him through this area. Follow me here because it's going to look like this is impossible. And then, then the Red Sea opens up. So to me, it feels exactly like the Red Sea has already opened up. Imagine the Red Sea has walls of water, and now you've got to walk through. Now, while you're walking through, imagine you're the children of Israel walking through the Red Sea, and you can hear the, the sound of the water, maybe the sprays of the water, and it's holding up. And it feels like that right now. We're walking through and still walking through. So the walls are up, and when the walls are up, you say, Lord, keep them up. Well, if God got them up in the first place, He's going to keep them up as long as you need until you get through. So we haven't gone through yet. That's my point. We're going to get through once we secure this building. So it's really important to understand that just because we're in the physical building, don't assume that, oh, well, we've got it because we're here. It's so easy to do that. If we were outside in another place, in another building, or when we lost five dock, and if we were homeless, we go, oh, we need to get a building. But the fact that the way God instituted it, we're in it already. And it was God's wisdom, God's amazing open door and favor that we got it for a 24-month lease before we can buy it. But please don't think, oh, well, we're in it. Because until we secure it, you know, I was saying last week, and I'll say it again because I want us to understand what I was saying. Sometimes you what's he saying about that? Hope, hope that is seen is not hope at all. Romans says this. Hope that is seen is not hope. Who hopes for what he already has? I was hoping for a wife when I didn't have a wife. Once I got a wife, I don't hope for another wife. I have a wife. So that hope that fueled my faith, because hope fuels your faith. Hope that fueled my faith is no longer fueling my faith. I don't need to ask God for a wife. Because who hopes for what he already sees? If, you're hoping for, if you don't have a car and you're hoping for a car and you finally get a car, you're no longer hoping for a car. So who hopes we already has? So because we already have it, because we already see it, because we're using this building and we've got the comfort of this building, don't be uh, lulled to sleep to think we've got it. Because we don't have it until we secure it. I want us to see the need of that because I think it's important that we see, okay, we're all carrying the weight of it. Because if we all think someone else will do it, then if, if we all think that, nobody will do it. So we're all going to think, I'll carry what God asked me to carry. I'll do what God asks me to do. That's all God asks of us all, just to, just to do what God tells us to do. And like Dean said, it's different for each one of us. I've heard many people say for many, many years, um, not equal giving but equal sacrifice. Well, it's not really even equal sacrifice because the sacrifice is determined by your faith and obedience and your level of maturity and how, you know, where you're at. So our, our sacrifice is going to be different as well as we obey the Holy Spirit. And it'll be different all the time. So I'm going to show you briefly just to give us a bit of a history. Remember, you know, the church started in 1990 and in um, last Sunday of October, um, I left the other church. The next Sunday we started church in my mum's lounge room. And so we went, we used to go to the streets, Westfield's Bellwood, Witnessed anyone. Um, Heidi was one of the ones that listened to us. Um, and she came to the Lord and, um, there was a few others that were witnessing, every, every, you know, every, every single day I'd go out praying tongues in my room and then go out and witness the people. King's Cross was the place where we used to go every Friday night and preach the gospel all the time. One of our first converts was an alcoholic out in the streets. Um, he got saved. His story was he was desperate, he was full of, he was actually absolutely drunk. That's, that's him right here walking in. Um, he, he climbed a fence that night after we prayed for him remember praying to pray, Lord, touch him. You know, he didn't even know I was praying for him in, in King's Cross. So said, Lord, touch this man because he already heard the gospel. And yeah, just leave it there for a sec. And um, he got radically... Uh, no, that, that, that night he was going home, he climbed the fence with his bottle of alcohol and he, and he dropped it and it broke. And that was his last drink because he came to Tuesday night, sort of Bible study in my home and gave his life to the Lord. And so this is where we had church in the lounge room. That's Irony. He's in heaven now. Um he was one of my best friends who started the church with me. And um, actually, there's a few people in heaven now. That's how long the church is going, so that's fine. <laughs> but he did pass away young. Um, and so that's our lounge room. You yeah, can move it forward now. And um, we used to use milk crates. You know milk crates? One, two, three on top of each other. That was the milk crates there, see? And the night's nice tablecloth to make it look nice. Um, you couldn't tell those was milk crates, but... And um, there's some people that used to come to our church back literally in the garage. We used to preach a gospel on radio. And one of the, one of the uh, couple there that came to church, they came to, you know, that, you know, when you hear someone on the radio, it sounds like this guy must know what he's talking about because he's on radio. Because usually that's what media does. We think they know what they're talking about. Anyway, they come to um, hear the gospel, you know, talk to them on the phone. And they came to our backyard in our garage, and that was church. And she still gave her life to the Lord, her and her husband. And um, it's amazing. So this is Bell Girls High School. We used that building for two months. We used to put out 70, 70 chairs and about three people would come. Um, <laughs> and that's a Concord Oval, which now they're revamping. That's a Concord Oval. It used to be a massive stadium. It was a function centre there. <laughs> that's a coronation club. That's on Burwood Road. We were there for about six years, I think. That's Five Doc RSL Club. There's Colin and Sonja there. Brendan! <laughs> Mango! Agnes. Agnes is there. <laughs> That's Maud Lake. We were there for 10 years. Leased building rented building that we were there near Hilly Street in Moorlake is that Sal? that was Sal His long hair rocking it no, short hair rocking it <laughs> that's ACA in Italian Forum That is still ACA. That's Lavia. Robin Vess, David Haggar, Mr. Nathan. You see, there's some history. It's three decades, actually. In this November, it's 30, 32 years. So, 1990, this November will be 32 years the church has um, been going for. It's a lot of history. It's good to know a bit of our history, but, you know, the good news about our history is it's 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 history, and it's his story. But the the future is always greater than the the, the past. It's good to know where we've come from. It's good to know that God God has done miracle after miracle after miracle provision provision. We've seen his faithfulness, and um, for thirty years we've never thirty almost thirty two years we've never owned our building. We've always rented, and sometimes it was set up set down the same day. We used to sometimes you know, it's a lot of a lot of work sometimes because you'd take all your stuff out of the office space put them in a van then you drive to the building put it up first floor into the building for sunday then take it back down into the van back to the other office another first floor so that was done every single sunday for many many years um so you had a whole setup team to set up so we we can take for granted that we don't have to do that every sunday now isn't that amazing that's so good but you know if we didn't get this building we would have done it in in a in a in a rsl club or in a um soccer club we looked at that and it was so expensive to lease a building to set up, set down. It was crazy. Thousands and thousands of dollars, like three or $4,000 a Sunday just to lease. And that's just a Sunday, set up, set down. And you don't have anything during the week. So let's not take for granted the price that people have paid to bring us where we are. People have already given sacrificially and given, stretched themselves and trusted God and sowed into the kingdom. When we have done it, God always has taken care of us. I really believe with all my heart if you give in obedience to God then God takes care of you 100% God's not obliged to take care of you if we, don't, if we do it out of other reasons but we do it out of because Lord I care for your kingdom I want your gospel to be preached uh, and, and we're giving I want to talk about this a little bit we're giving for the next generation not just giving it for ourselves we're giving it for the next generation um, I want to show you Haggai Chapter 1 Because the prophet speaks, the prophet speaks to the children of Israel. They were the the temple was laid in ruins, it was wasted, it wasn't in use because it was destroyed, they weren't using it. And the prophet Haggai speaks, and he says this in verse 2 Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says, The time has not come. Even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. So, God, through the prophet, speaks directly to what the people are thinking. The people are thinking the time to rebuild the temple is not now, it's not the right time. It's, it's, it's interesting because we're going to come up with excuses. So, their, their excuse for the day was yeah, we, we, know the re, we know we're going to rebuild it, and we will rebuild it, and the temple should be rebuilt. We're not arguing about that, but it's not now. The time's not now for it to be re, rebuilt. And so Haggai was saying, this is what the people are saying, the time has not yet come even for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord said, uh, came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, verse 4, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panelled houses while this house lies desolate? So think about it. Their mindset gave them an excuse that the time wasn't ready for the rebuilding, of the, you know, rebuilding it. So their perspective of life was, now it's not right time. But yet they were taking care of themselves. Their house, they were, they were living in panelled houses. They, they were making sure that they were comfortable. But the house, the temple where the priests should be preaching and, and ministering and offering the sacrifices and the purposes of what God instituted in the Old Testament couldn't be fulfilled because they're saying, no, it's not now. Haggai, the prophet, spoke to them and he said, Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Stop. Stop contemplate think about your ways think about the road you're on think about the the thought life you're thinking the mindset you, you're walking in and the perspective you have about life because the way you're looking at it is not God's way of looking at it and he basically says you have sown much but harvest is little I mean who wants to live like that who wants to sow a lot but harvest little they worked hard it's agriculturally too they worked hard in the fields they sowed they sowed but for some reason they're not they're harvesting little But he goes, um, you eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there's not enough to be drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. He who earns wages puts it into a purse with holes in it. It's like having a pocket with holes and I put money in it. and Every time I put money in it, it just falls out. It feels like that sometimes because you 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 know the the world can get so busy, 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 and you and you can get distracted if you fulfill if you don't fulfill God's purposes, it's like that. You are putting money in pockets or purses or bags with holes in it. What we think we should do is just, well, let's work harder. Let's work harder, let's work longer hours, let's get another job, let's put more money in the hole in, in the bags. But the problem is there's holes in it. So to me, wisdom is fix the holes. What's wrong with the holes? Why is there holes? Let's patch the holes up so that when I do work, it doesn't go to waste. The Lord here is trying to correct them and says, and he says, thus says the Lord of hosts, he says it again, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood and rebuild the temple. Bring. I mean, that might sound like nothing, but go up to the mountain, you got to climb the mountain, then you got to chop down the trees. This is called work. you got to chop down the trees, bring the wood that's going to rebuild the temple. Do the work, pay the price, do everything that God's asked you to do so that you can rebuild the temple. And he says, so that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord. Rebuilding the, the, the temple was to please the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house, which lies desolate while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew and the earth has withheld its produce. I called for a drought on the land. I mean, God's trying to say the reason why you're not prospering the way you should be prospering is because I'm calling for a drought because you're not putting my kingdom first. My purpose is first. It's like a heart shift. If I mean, in, in, think about what Jesus said. You know, He said, the Gentiles seek after all these things, but not you. You should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's, it's this shift thinking, God, I want to make sure your kingdom comes first. When you think about that and the purposes of the kingdom, God will take care of us. Because we're, we're thinking about Him, he, he takes care of us. We take care of His house, He takes care of our house. It's just the way He does things. He, he says in verse 11, I called for a drought on the land, on the mountain, on the grain, on the, uh, on the mountain, sorry. He says, On the grain, on the new wine, on the oil on what the ground produces. God called the drought on all these things, on men, on cattle, and on all your labor of your hands. Imagine God calling for a drought for that. Then Babel, the son of Sheiltul, and Joshua, the son of jehazadak the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had to him, And the people showed reverence for the Lord. They obeyed God. They fixed this. And they said, no, we'll put God first. They obeyed and showed reverence for the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. So God's with them because they shifted their hearts and said, we're going to put first the kingdom. We're going to make sure the temple's rebuilt. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. So they did it. And, every, and when you read chapter 2, it actually says, remember, before you changed your heart and you started putting the kingdom first and, and built the temple, remember, when you look for 20, there was only 10 there. When you look for 50, um, you know, places of um, barrels of hay, there was only 25. There was always lack. There was always lack when you didn't put my kingdom first. But look now, the moment you put my kingdom first and take care of my temple, the moment you're blessed. He's trying to remind them, Look, the moment you put your heart into the kingdom, it's, it's a shift. in the, Understanding it in the new covenant, understanding God, we do want your kingdom to be going forward. We want the gospel to go forward. If we quickly turn to First um, Kings chapter 17. It's a powerful example of of how does God take care of us? How does God touch the common everyday thing in our life and make it supernatural, multiply it supernaturally? How does he do that? The principles are here in Elijah, chapter 17, verse 1. Now, Elijah, the Tishabite, who was... Of the settlers of Gilead said to Ahab, "As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years, except by my word." Now he, he he pretty much pronounces the fact that there will not be any rain until I say so. And we know the story because we can look back at it. It was three and a half years, three and a half years of no rain, three and a half years of drought, heavy drought. Right. So the thing is, with a prophet, when you prophesy the word of God, you have to live in your prophecy. You just declare the word of the Lord. Now he's got to live in the drought himself. The word of the Lord came to him saying, go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself. He had to hide himself from who? The guys that didn't like his prophecy. King Ahab, those guys, that some of them were hunting him down because he prophesied something. Because you're you're serving false gods, there will be a drought. He only released the rain after they they all turned back to the Lord. And so... um, He says, go away from here and from eastward and hide yourself in the brook Cherith, which is east of Jordan. It shall be that you will drink of the brook. And I I have commanded, I love this, I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. When you hear God direct you and lead you, that's where provision is. God told them, go here, go to the brook and sit next to the brook and drink from it and I will command the ravens imagine god supernaturally speaks to ravens ravens are scavenging birds it's a miracle for a raven to pick up bread and meat every morning and every night and give it to elijah put it at his feet that's a supernatural miracle don't think that's lightly have you ever seen a bird do that any type of bird but a raven bringing meat and bread to elijah that's And God himself says, I've commanded the ravens to feed you. Wow. That's supernatural. The same way God commanded the the animals to go into Noah's Ark. They came to Noah's Ark when God spoke. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he would drink from the brook. It happened after a while. That could have been about a year or two. We don't know for sure, but it was a long time. It happened after a while that the brook dried up. Because there was no rain in the land. So even the, where God directed him to go, to be provided for, the seasonally, that stopped. God says, okay, the water's run out. Now I want you to go somewhere else. He could have got stuck in his way and go, no, but you said to come here. We've got to keep hearing God. We, we, always, we always depended on God. We always depended on the voice of God. He did direct him to go there. And that for a season, it did provide for him. It might have been six months to a year, year and a half. But now that's dried up. God said, now get up and go then the word of the Lord came to him when it did dry up saying arise go to Seraphath which belongs to Sidon and stay there behold I have commanded a widow there to provide for you now God spoke to a widow to provide for Elijah remember Elijah's is the man of God he's the prophet of God and he goes go there now that, that was about 126 kilometers away it's probably at least three to four days journey of walking depends how many times you stop It wasn't close. It it would have taken him three or four, maybe five days of walking to Sidon. And when he gets there, the moment he walks into the city, the moment he gets to the gates, look what happens. He commands a widow. God spoke to the widow. So he arose and went to Seraphath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow was there, gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please get me a little water in, in a jar that I may drink it could be he's walked for long long all day long probably hot and he's probably so thirsty first thing that comes to his mind he sees his widow widow and says can you get me some water and she was going to get it as she was going to get it he called to her and said please bring me a piece of bread in your hand but she said as the lord your god lives so she knew that he was a prophet of some sort i have no bread only a handful of flour in my bowl and a little oil in the jar and behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. This is at the end of the drought for her. This is like I've run out of my resources. I've, I've, I've eaten everything that's in the house. There's only one more meal left, a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. I'll, and he says, she says to Elijah, I was going to make this last meal. We're going to eat it and we're going to die. Going to live on the strength of that and we're, that's it we're, we're at the end. Just imagine the reality of this. Elijah said to her, do not fear. First thing he says, don't fear. Why would he say that? Because it's fearful to give your last meal away. Do not fear. By the way, Jesus refers to this example here and he says, there were a lot of widows in Israel. None of them was Elijah sent, but to this widow in Sidon. Jesus said that. So Jesus Pretty much is explaining that God, was, God sent Elijah for the widow. But God also said, I commanded the widow to bride for you. God said, I'm, I, because this widow had the faith to listen to Elijah, had the faith and the respect and the honor to obey Elijah, God says, I, I delivered her, but not all the other widows in Israel. But he was basically saying, the Prophet's not honored his own hometown. Jesus is in Nazareth, and he says, prophet's not honored here i can't do many mighty miracles here there are a lot of israel a lot of widows in israel that were starving and needed help but none of them was elijah sent to why not because they didn't have the faith to receive him they didn't believe he was a prophet because he's so used to him familiarity but to this woman god sends elijah to bring deliverance supernatural deliverance and the first thing he says is do not fear Anytime I give, every time I, me and my wife give to the house of God and to the purposes of God, of course there's going to be an element of fear when you look in the natural. Well, if I give this, now whatever I give, whatever that would have been, um, that could have done for me, what I could have got out of this money, I'm not going to be able to do it. There's fear. Should I give that much? It's fear because now I've got less. We're viewing it wrongly. Everything in the Bible, I haven't got the time to teach us all the whole thing in the Bible, but everything in the Bible when it comes to giving is always referred to a seed. Always. So think about a seed for a moment. A seed leaves my, my hand, but it never leaves my life. Because when I give a seed, it is planted as a seed. It's going to grow a plant. It's going to have more fruit on it. And actually, Paul says, I want, to, I want you to give, not because I have need. Paul the Apostle said this in Philippians. Not that I have need, but that fruit may abound to your account. Because yeah. I want you to give, not for that, my sake that I need, but I want to make sure you have fruit to your account. You know, I, 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 I say this carefully, because I do believe God's going to call people to give in the vicinities of millions of dollars. But if someone did give a $10 million check and we paid the whole building off completely... It won't be the best for everyone because we won't have an opportunity to give. God actually wants us to be a part of the, he wants us to be a part of, it's like a test of our heart. How much do you care for my kingdom? How much do you care for my purposes? How much do you care for the gospel of the kingdom to go out to empower a generation? Because we're not even giving for ourselves. To empower a generation to preach this gospel in this city and to disciple this city and to disciple the nations. It's not just this city. It's the disciple of the nations. And it is a test of our hearts to say, God, we, we actually do want your kingdom to come. Please hear my heart what I'm saying. Is. Elijah said, do not fear. Do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterwards you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord of God, of Israel, the bowl of flour that you're talking about, that's in your hand, that's a natural bowl of flour, it's just the last meal, it's, it's in your home, shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty. It's going to be touched supernaturally, it's just going to keep, keep growing. You're going to keep getting more oil, more oil, as much as you need until the drought's over. You're going to get more flour. It'll, it'll be touched supernaturally if you give it to me first. What, what I, what I get, there's a lot of stuff I get out of this, but what I get out of it is the widow didn't offer it to her him. He Elijah called it out of her. Elijah said give to me first. That was probably the last thought in her mind. What? Give it to you first? This is my last meal with my son, especially a mother. You know what mothers are like? My wife, no you give that to the kids first. I sure they eat first. There's, there's no uh, father, there's no husband to provide. And a mother, you know what a mother's like. She'll give, her, she'll give her last everything for the kids. And now the prophet is saying, give it to me first. But he gave her the promise. You give it to me first, then make one for yourself. So in faith, she had to trust the prophet's word. Then make one for yourself because that, that what you have won't run out. Oh my! But she had to learn to give before The supernatural thing happened. (laughs) Do not fear. That's what Elijah said. Because it's a fearful thing to give your last meal. That last meal to her was like the woman with the two mites. The widow? That you know, remember Jesus, he stood at the treasury. Just in case you didn't think Jesus is like this. He's got the guts to stand. And in those days, they'd all stand up and come out and, and they'll give their money at the box at the front, for example, right? So imagine all the rich, wealthy people, the Pharisees, wealthy, a lot of money, out of their abundance, the Bible says, they gave, and they wanted to do it to impress people. <laughs> Look. And, and they want to show people how much they're given. And Jesus says, they gave of their abundance, out of their abundance. And They got a lot more left over. This widow gave all she had to live on. Two mites. And Jesus says she gave more than all them. But Jesus, interesting, was watching them. And then used it as an object lesson. Another interesting thing is Jesus let the widow give her last two mites. I mean, you know, my, my compassion would be, no, 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 you don't, don't give it, keep it, keep it. You know, actually let us give you money. That's what we want to do. But Jesus knew the power in giving your last two mites. God will take care of you. That's how Jesus. I really believe he, he trusted the Father. And I don't know, you know. These things we'll know when we get to heaven. Maybe after the whole meeting was over, maybe Jesus himself went to Judas and say, Judas, you know the treasury? Give me some money. And took care of the widow himself. He could have. But he still let her give first. It's the principle in learning to give. And then she, she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And, she, and he... She and he meaning she. She and the, and Elijah and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty. According to the word of the Lord, which He spoke through Elijah. According to the word of the Lord, Elijah spoke it and God backed it. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, there's some things I need to just to declare. That's okay. I, I feel as a leader, I have to speak it out. And and it's the principle of the kingdom. It's the way God says we should do things. But Daniel Hagen was here when Daniel Hagen was here. They were doing a building project for Sunshine Coast, where he's from, to buy a building. And two people gave two point two million dollar pledge. That's one million plus each. And and I and I've been I've, I've been feeling God. I feel, I feel God. We're gonna. I just believe there will be people that will give a million dollars. And we got we got to speak it out and see someone's million. Someone giving a million. To them, it's like someone else that gave 10,000. Someone giving 10,000 could actually be a bigger stretch than someone else giving a million. So it's not the number. It's not the figure. It's the obedience. So we're talking about the two mites. It wasn't the amount. To her, it was everything. And just want to quickly show you in, in 1, 1 Chronicles 29. First Chronicles 29. Let me show you. King David this is at the age of around 70 so he's he's ruled for 33 uh, years in um judah i mean sorry israel and another seven years with uh, judah so it was 40 years all up in um 70 he's about to this is a season where he gives it over to his son solomon to lead but he had it in his heart to build a temple david wanted to build a temple for god and, and, and God says, no, you can't build a temple. God told him you can't because you've got blood on your hands. Your son will do it. Could have got upset there. I wanted to do it. But he's okay. You know, he was fine with that. He knew. He trusted God. When you, when you study the, the, the amounts that they gave, just in case some people think, wow, $11 million. That's absolutely nothing to God. Really is nothing. But the sanctuary, the tabernacle one where Moses raised money for the... You know, that was billions of dollars of gold. Billions. David here, according to the gold amount now, it probably gave around $20 billion worth. It's all different. Everyone's got different sort of amounts. But we know it's in the billions. Easy. The weight of gold. It actually says how the weight of gold that he gave. He gave a lot of, he gave so much. But I want to show you in verse 2. Of 29, he says, Now, with all my ability, David says, I have provided for the house of my God. Not that stood out. The Lord help us become a people that with all our ability we give to the house of God. With all our ability we do it. And he says, The gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, the bronze for the things of bronze, iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, oxy stones and Inlaid stones and stones of antimony, I don't even know what it is, and stones of various colours, all kinds of precious stones, alabaster in abundance. Moreover, in my delight, that word means to enjoy, to do it in pleasure, in my delight in the house of my God, the treasure I have I have of gold and silver I give to the house of my God over and above all that I've already provided for the holy temple namely 3,000 talents of gold gold of Ophir the best gold there is 7,000 talents of refined silver this is of his own personal treasure he says he he gave then he says this once he gave willingly with all that his might of all his ability then David said who then is willing to consecrate uh, this day to the Lord? Who is willing to consecrate? The word consecrate is to be filled and full. Who's willing to be filled and full of God to give themselves to the Lord in this area of giving? And please hear this. Who is willing? Every time God wants a willful offering. He doesn't want you to give it out of any necessity. He doesn't want you to give out of a have to. He wants you to do it out of a willful, I want I want to. Your heart remains free. I want to do this by faith. I, I trust God. I want to do this. Moses did it with the children of Israel when he, gave up, when he took up an offering. He actually says, anyone that is willfully wants to give, give. Who then is willing to concentrate himself to the Lord this day? Then the rulers are the fathers of households, the princes of tribes. These are all the leaders of Israel. And the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds with, with the overseer, overseers over the king's work offered willingly they all offered willingly they all wanted to and it tells you how much they gave then it says whoever possessed precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the lord in care of jahil then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly for they made their offering to the lord with a whole heart so we're doing this in obedience we want to give this to the lord and his work with a whole heart and they did it willingly and because they did that they rejoiced and then, and then we had a few words about redoing this with joy I really believe as we willingly wanted to do this we do it out of joy and it's a, re, it's a rejoice it's a joy that's released There's a joy that's released when we say God we put your kingdom first not to mention but yes we put it it's the kingdom first that's why I, it's hard to use the word sacrifice it really is for me because how can we say it's a sacrifice to give to God God's in debt to no one. God says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So whatever we sow, we reap a harvest of it. So how can that be a sacrifice? Now, Really, I really mean that with all my heart. I can't look at my life and go, oh, I've sacrificed to give to the Lord. God just blessed me over and over and over. It really has. We are a testimony of the blessings and the provisions of God because we've done this as a lifestyle since we become Christians. And you too, there's many testimonies everywhere here that when you truly give to God, God takes care of you. I just want to, can I have a few more minutes? Is that all right? Who gives me five minutes? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty five, thirty, thirty five. Just joking, just joking. Forty. now, I, I just want to get to something because I love David's heart. I just love it. I go, God, we've got to have this. This is, this is the intention of God. It's not about the money. It's not, about, it's, even, it's not even about the building and buying the building. It's actually the intention is God wants your heart. Listen to this. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever, yours O Lord, is the greatness. Do you believe that? Yes. Yours, O Lord. Lord, you're the greatness. And he goes on to say, and the power. That means yours is the power. Yours is the glory. And yours is the victory. And yours is the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and in the earth are yours. Do you believe that? Come out of this place, O Lord, you own Everything everything in the heavens everything in the earth it's yours he says yours is the dominion or the kingdom O Lord and you exalt yourself as head over all both riches and honour come from you that's a powerful key word there because riches when people get riches without honour it's not true riches a lot of people got a lot of wealth and no honour it'll destroy you riches and honour come from God you know that? Wealth comes from God. Wealth and riches. When I think of wealth, I don't think of just material wealth. I think of everything that makes you wealthy and rich. Family makes you wealthy and rich. Children make you wealthy and rich. Grandchildren make you wealthy and rich when you're as old as me. But both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. And in your hand is power and might and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. that It lies in your hand. That word hand means an open hand. It lies in your open hand. Look at this. He goes, Now therefore, O God, we thank you and praise your glorious name, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you, and from your open hand we have given you. For we are sojourners. That means we're, we we live temporary here. We're just lodging here before you and we like tenants we're just temporarily staying here on this earth as all our fathers were our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no hope oh Lord our God all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name it is from your open hand and all is yours in other words the very fact that I can give you all this gold David's saying it already came from you anyway you created all the gold you put it on the earth you gave it to me now I was able to give it back to you it, wasn't, it, was, it was nothing for David to give all the gold that he had. But you think, oh, but you know, that's David, he's a king. Yeah, but he could have also thought, oh, this, this is going to help me in my old age. I'm going to keep this security and I've got to take care of myself. No, but he knew his father. He trusted God. So it's the heart. I want us to catch that. Catch the heart. Everything we give to God, it all came from him anyway. We're not doing something great when we give back to God. We are. We've been obedient, but it's going to have to do with our salvation. It's going to have to do with our works. It, you know, it's not a works of salvation, is it? We're not saved by our works. We're saved by grace. It doesn't get you a better place in salvation. I do believe we get rewarded for everything we do in obedience, but that's true of everything in our life. Amen. So let's pray. So, so you know, you know, I spoke last week. You know, different ways that you can give. If you're going to give towards the half of the house and, and we, we give in obedience to God, we are going to receive it on the 29th of June. Is that correct? Right date? 26th. Thank you. 26th of June, last Sunday of, of June. Um, we are going to have some things printed out really by next week. And, um, but you can also give online. You can transfer. If you do a transfer, financial transfer on the bank, uh, just write H4H you're watching online you got a whole family a church family that's online do you know that someone sowed this is this is God's faithfulness again that doesn't even come in person not a part of our church family in person but they're part of our family online and they sowed ten thousand dollars from last Sunday ten thousand dollars sowed it straight into the isn't that amazing doesn't even belong here, but to me, that's a C, man. All you need is a hundred of those people, and there's already a million dollars. There's already our target that we need for this year. And God says, Look, I can do it so easily. I can, I can send money to you, but someone doesn't even come to your church. You know, someone uh, uh, last year, just want to quickly encourage us all, last year we had about 60000 to $70,000 come in from other churches. And other people, someone from overseas, a ministry, gave in to us. So $10,000 to us. Doesn't... Anyway, a church, partnering church, NCMI partnering church, so their last, this touched my heart. He rang me and he said what he was going to do. I couldn't believe it. He yes, we spoke to all our elders. We're all in agreement. They were going to give us everything they saved for them to buy a building everything they saved the church is probably seven, eight years old and they gave $30,000 towards us this building 30000 and, and it was everything they saved they said we just feel in God to support what God's doing with you and I'm telling you a month later another church from overseas not knowing what they did or gave not knowing sowed into them $90,000 that's, that's just the way God operates. It's hard to give that last 30 or the only 30 that you've ever saved so you can buy a building. But once you sowed it, God said, bang, opens up the heavens. I'm very aware of that, Lord, even in our journey, we, we've got a lot of expenses. I want to Let's help the churches in India. Let's keep helping them. Let's keep supporting. Let's keep sowing fine. for God stretching me. Keep supporting because you take care of them. It opens up something up. God sees your generous heart and says, no, we're going to keep being generous no matter where, what we're going through. But just the way God operates. I wanted to break a spiritual membrane, if that's the right word, of fear off our heads. Don't be afraid to give to God. Break the fear, break the fear. But be obedient to God's voice. Amen. So Father, we give you praise. We give you honour that you're a good, good God. We love you. We thank you that you are our provider in everything. You're the provider of peace. You're the provider of love and joy. Lord, these beautiful you're a provider of, our, of the very presence of your, your presence, of your spirit in our hearts. Thank you for being a provider financially, being a provider in health, being a provider in every area of our life. We give you glory and honor, Lord. Take care of your children. And we speak 30, 60, 100 times what people sow, that you'll bless them in return. We release that right now in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast. If you'd like to partner with us, you can visit ggclife.com forward slash give. We hope you have an amazing week. Be blessed.